I'm also, I'm, I can't get away from Ephesians chapter 1 at the moment. I keep on trying to sort of get further into Ephesians 2, 3, 4, and maybe we'll get there today. But I've, I was talking about it at um, Milton Keynes last week, and it just it, it keeps on coming to me. And I, I realized that, that God's got a dream. Do you know God's got a dream? I think Mark Gilpin was talking about um, sharing in Jesus' dream last week. Is that right? I think that's what evangelism is. Evangelism is sharing in Jesus' dream. And, and, uh, um, and God, God's got a dream that he, he dreamed up before the foundation of the world, before he created anybody, before you and I, he actually got a dream. And that's what, what, what Ephesians 1 is about. And he, he is catching us up in his dream. Now, that's a good dream to get caught up in. Um, before I, I, I dive into that, I want to show you a, a YouTube clip. Are you ready, Patrick? Now, just before we put it up there, I just want to say this is by a guy called Nicholas Winton. Uh, and Nicholas Winton um, was a young man uh, in 1938, a stockbroker in London, and uh, he had a friend, a close friend of his, who worked uh, for the British government who was actually in, in Czechoslovakia in 1938. And this friend of his asked uh, Nicholas Winton if he would go. And he went to, went to Czechoslovakia for two weeks in 1938, basically to see the problem of the refugees. Now, it's a bit current now, isn't it? We do have refugee problems at the moment. But um, he went to see the problem, basically, not, not just the refugees, but those who were being oppressed uh, by the Nazis who had actually occupied Czechoslovakia. And um, he was taken around the camps. And uh, basically, it was looking difficult because basically the, the borders were closed now to, for anybody to get out. And it was particularly the Jews. It wasn't just the Jews, but particularly the Jews. Um, and basically, he refused to believe that, that nothing could be done. And um, he decided that he would do something. And he came back to this country. And basically, he, he, he by his own determination... He arranged for, and it was 669 children to be uh, allowed to get out of Czechoslovakia on trains and brought to this country. He arranged for each one of them to be fostered into a family. And he arranged actually eight trains by his own, um, by his own finance. He raised a finance for it to happen. Um, and those children uh, escaped from Nazi oppression. Um, the last train was due to leave uh, Prague on the 1st of September 1939. Uh, that was the day that war broke out, and that train with 250 children never left Czechoslovakia. And he helped those children escape, then he got on, he got on with life, and for 50 years, nobody knew the story. Until Esther Ransom <laughs> uncovered it, and it was shown on that's life and this is a trip a clip this is in 1988 so 50 years further on okay go put it all the letters but back here is the list of all the children this is vera diamant now vera gissing we did find her name on his list vera gissing is with us here tonight hello vera and uh, I should tell you that you are actually sitting next to Nicholas Winton. <laughs> and it was just so wonderful, so terribly, terribly touching. Can I ask 
Is there anyone in our audience tonight who owes their life to Nicholas Winton? If so, could you stand up, please? Quite a story. <laughs> Quite a man. Ordinary man who just went and spent two weeks. Saw a problem and decided... I'm going to do something about this. If you've told me it's impossible, he said, as far as I'm concerned, nothing's impossible if you set your mind to it. And 669 children were saved. They reckon now with, with they've married their children or their descendants, there's about 15,000 people now who are alive because of that man's life and his determination and his willingness to sacrifice. Now, before we go any further, I'll say something. Because so, obviously... What you saw there was that lady had never met Nicholas Winton. They didn't even know his name because he made no, nothing of it until somebody discovered him. All those people were meeting him for the first time, face to face. And they owed his life, their lives to him. One day we're going to meet somebody face to face who we owe our lives to. Not just 669, not even just 15,000 of us, but actually now billions of people. So I thought I'd wanted, before I do anything, if you owe your life to a man named Jesus Christ, I'd like you to stand up now. And let's just thank him for giving us life. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> So, Jesus, you are our hero. You are the one who has purchased us out of darkness and brought us into your wonderful light. Thank you that you've given us life to live. And we now take that life seriously. The sacrifice you paid for us, we choose to honour with our lives. Amen. If you want to find stuff on that, it's on YouTube. Just look up Nicholas Winton. There are many clips. I was watching a number of them yesterday. Just, and it's emotional. There's many, many clips about him there. He lived till he was 106 years old. Good age, 106 years old. There is now, he's now regarded as a national hero in, in Czechoslovakia. And uh, there's a statue to him there. And uh, I think he's so. But Jesus is an amazing hero, isn't he? And God had a dream. God has a dream. But in order for it to be enacted, action had to happen and Jesus had to come. And it says this, For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And he endured something because of the joy set before him. And what is it going to be like on that day when we see him face to face. When you see him face to face, it's just, I don't, it's not going to be describable, is it? And uh, it's going to be simply amazing. What's interesting with Nicholas Winton was actually, one of the things he would say was that actually, reasonably he never told anybody, he says, I, I don't want to look at the past. I was always interested in the present and the future. And uh, who do you think he talked about the most of those children? 
the 250 who didn't escape. He didn't blame himself, but it was a reality. There's, 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 there's people who never made it on out of the borders. And I feel God's really stirring things up for us to actually think, actually, Jesus paid the price for the whole of mankind, didn't he? And the trains are ready, and it's up to us to make sure they leave the station and arrive at a destination. And in order to do that, we're going to have to live our lives, sacrifice to the purpose of Jesus Christ and to other people. And I keep on coming back to that, that, that I believe in the goodness of God being poured out in my life. I've experienced it in, in so, such abundant measure, such abundant measure. But unless I'm willing to lay down my life and sacrifice for the purpose, then ultimately that will be self-indulgence. And so it says this in, in Ephesians chapter 1, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Isn't that mean? We are united with Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ today, uh, in one sense, if you've not got on the train and left the station, I'm going to encourage you to do so. Before you leave this room, find true life. The life that he, 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 Jesus paid a price so that you could have life in all its fullness. And just make sure you've got on that train and escaped because Jesus paid the price for your ticket. And, you know, the, the alternative, the Bible quite clear, is destruction. And that's not because... He's designed it that way. It's actually a result of the, the sinfulness of the world. But God has chosen this. He's chosen to bless us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. Whew. See, there were 669 children and, and individual families chose to adopt them in so that they could be raised and have life. God has adopted us into his family. Isn't that amazing? By bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. This is God's dream. Creating this vast family of billions of people. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ. A plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. This is the dream. This is God's dream. At the right time, he will bring together everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. This is the dream. He's going to pull it all together. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. So he's chosen us in advance, and he makes everything work out. That's, that's, that's genius, isn't it? So what has he chosen us? If you, in Ephesians chapter 2, it goes on, verse 8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. <laughs> I love that. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. We are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We're born again with a purpose to do the good things he planned for us before the foundation of the world. Is that not a privilege? 
sometimes I think, I've been thinking, you know, I'm going to go on to. We have a dream at Eastgate. But that dream is part of his enormous dream. You know, (laughs) it doesn't stand on its own. And it's a big dream. We have big dreams. But God's dream is miles bigger. But we get to play a part in his, his dream. And he has created good things for us to do. Of those 669 children that, that, that were saved um, in that story, uh, they've charted some of the lives of them. Actually, I think one of those, the ladies is, is a dame now. She's actually, you know, what she's done with her life. Just what people have done with their lives is quite, quite extraordinary. Um, and uh, God wants us to lead extraordinary lives. Um, and when I talk about sacrifice, and I will talk about it quite a bit today, um, understand that we sacrifice for the joy set before us. And sacrifice, is, 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 in this sense, is a delight, not a duty. So if you, if, you, if you interpret sacrifice through the lens of religion, it'll become a religious duty and a burden and something you feel forced to do. But if you get caught up in God's dream, then you willingly choose to put your energy behind that because of the delight. Um, now, we'll do this. We'll, we'll, we'll make sacrifices uh, for the things we choose to do that we really want to do. Yeah? So um, I'm chatting with, with Anthony Warren. Anthony, he did a, did a marathon last year. So he sacrificed his time to train. Well, he's doing another one this year. I thought, crazy man. <laughs> so so <laughs> sometimes he runs back. All the way to church or from church is about the best part. 20 miles, I think. Whoa, why would you do that? Because actually he, something he wants to do. You know, um, somebody like uh, Andy Murray, Mo Farah, what do they sacrifice to do what they've intended to do? What do we give up for our children, for those that we care about? How much practice do you put in on your musical instrument so you can actually make great music? All all sorts of things we we all give sacrifice for. Um, And I want to talk to you about a, a... in one sense, the common dream of Eastgate today, and on Wednesday, actually, I'm going to be speaking at evening school with Living Fire about the power of a common dream. But I've just reminded again, um, you know, I don't know how many of you, how many of you watched the inauguration on um, Friday of uh, President Trump? Not many of you. Okay, well. <laughs> okay, obviously didn't get that much interest. <laughs> Probably catch it on YouTube if you really want to get interested. It might not have been available at the time. It was, it was interesting. Um, you know, just, it's, I was just thinking about it. You know, there was somebody led Billy Graham to Jesus. Did you know that? Yes. I can never remember the name of the person. It is, but somebody will. But that person not very well known. Billy Graham pretty well known. Billy Graham led, we don't, has led. Don't know how many millions, millions, millions of people to Jesus. His son prayed at the inauguration on Friday. His son brought the word of God to a nation on Friday. Amazing. He's, he's building generations to come. I thought that was quite interesting. That's an interesting event. Do pray for America. No, I'm serious about that. It's, not, it's, there, it's a huge time of transition. Absolutely massive. And if we think we've got some challenges going on then. God's doing something around the world. But I was reminded actually of in the early 1960s when President Kennedy said, we're going to put a moon, a moon, a man on the moon before the end of the decade. 
And you know what was interesting? The whole country bought into a dream. And it actually so captivated, not just the country, but the whole world. I remember at the age of 10, I think it was, my mum and dad get me out of bed at about 2 o'clock in the morning. Two or three o'clock in the morning. Strange, I never did that before. So I could actually sit and watch as Neil Armstrong put his foot on the moon. First man to walk on the moon. It actually captured the whole world's imagination. And, uh, and people bought into that. And they did so. Now, so in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, uh, going down, it says, Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And I guess for many, 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 many years, this has been my dream to, to create and help build a church where God is so manifestly present that he lives here that you cannot help but touch him. That, that's, that's, this is my dream. That, that actually, not just here, but it, it spreads out. So that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dreaming of what will that primary school be like. So filled with the presence of God that, that the children are raised in that education environment where He is present. Where, and imagine now people dropping the kids off and then coming here to the cafe and encountering God here. Um, just as you talked to Emily, Emily was saying that she came to the healing center yesterday and just walk in and you encounter the presence of God. And we say it's actually the peace and the power of God in one, one place. Just, if you've never been on the healing center, get along. It's just a great, great environment. Um, so, so, so that is one of my, my, my great desires. But, you know, we have actually built something good, but it's not finished. It might look finished. I know it looks finished, and Martin might be disappointed if it's not finished, but we are going to build an annex, by the way, because it needs to be bigger. But I'm talking about the work of God is much bigger. Now, a few weeks ago, I was, again, I was talking about connection, and I, just, I had a thought, and it came through a discussion. I wanted to actually um, uh, talk about actually, the importance of connection. So um, how many of you have got a shield of faith? Got one? Okay, Patrick, can you bring our picture up of a shield of faith? I'm going to have to go out of there and into the Roman shield of faith. How do you use your shield? What's it meant to do? You'll get there in a minute. Your shield of faith is, is, is sufficient to, to, to fend off all the flaming darts of the evil one, yes? So he's attacking you. He wants to get under your skin, basically. He wants to get through your defenses, and there's your shield. Okay, so how useful is that shield? Very. Yes, good. It's, yeah, quite handy, quite big. Like a suggestion, not a great deal of good on its own. Can you bring the next picture up, Patrick? That's how they're meant to be used. Can you see that? That's called the tortoise. It's the first tank, apparently. See, what has struck me was that actually, if you've got... If you imagine yourself individually in a spiritual battle, then your shield is, you're going to be pretty busy because you're going to be having to sort of run around trying to get it in the right place at the right time to fend off anything that's coming your way. And you'll get so preoccupied with trying to fend off the darts evil, you, evil, evil one, you actually won't make any advance. See, when it's locked together like this, that's not just a defensive unit. See, that is not a defensive view. That is how they used to attack. 
And I suddenly thought, oh, because I've always thought of the shield as a defensive weapon. Now, they, they locked their shields together. They protected one another. This is what covering means, okay? You all know what covering means? This, means, this is what covering looks like. <laughs> Literally, they're together. Now, what you don't want is the guy next to you breaking rank, do you? It's not only him who gets vulnerable, it's actually other people who get vulnerable. And the devil's greatest tactics that I know in spiritual warfare is isolation. If he can, if he can isolate you, get you thinking on your own, and get you be, behaving on your own, if he, if he can stop you being connected to an effective body of Christians, which is a church, then... You are vulnerable and the whole, the whole thing is weakened, which is why a connection is so important. Now, you might think, oh, he's just trying to get, I'm not just trying to get you to join a connection group. Right? I'm really not. <laughs> but do I believe this is important? Yes. All right. It's fundamentally important for you and for us. And we need to process things through an us. So when I'm saying, I do connect, I'm, I'm serious about it. Do connect. Why? Because if we don't connect like that, if we run a bunch of individuals running around, we'll get picked off. But that formation takes territory. And everybody who walks like that is effectively protected, and that's how we're going to take land. And I believe that's what God's calling us to do. I believe he wants us to take land in all sorts of sectors of society right now. So I believe he's education. We're looking at from preschool to university. Healthcare, I'll come back to that in a minute. We've got a conference coming up called Heaven in Business. Um, be worth being at. Heaven in Business is going to be a great conference with Andy Mason. Starts on the Friday evening, on the Saturday, um, about 12th, somewhere around about the 12th of February, somewhere around that, that whatever that, that date is. We're looking at that. We're thinking, how, how do we interact with, with this garden city that's, that's growing around us? So we're actually making, um, you know, lots of, lots of, uh, time and energy being spent into that. Um, this building's not big enough, so we're going to build annexes. The planning application went in this week, Martin. Well done. Say so thank you to Martin. Martin worked really hard. <laughs> so, so we will, at some stage, have some drawings and stuff and other things that we can show you. But actually, pray for that. So that's literally just gone in this week, hasn't it? It's planning application. So, so within, that'll be heard within eight weeks. Um, during February, we're going to give you an opportunity to exercise faith in that because we're going to walk forward together towards that goal by taking a special offering, okay? Something very, very practical. Now, when I say we're going to do that together, I really do want you to engage in this because actually this is part of spiritual warfare, is how we use our money. And I'll come back to that because actually the Bible says quite clearly if, if you want to be entrusted with true riches, you have to be faithful with your worldly wealth. And one of the ways that we use our worldly wealth is to serve the purposes of God. The best way I know how to do it, as an army. Now, this, this building came together because people believed in the dream. And over 15 years, they, uh, no, 13 years, they sowed time and time and time and time again. And on an average, £100,000 per year, you know, was beyond that actually, was given over and above the normal tithes and stuff like that, so that this dream could become a reality. Now we need to keep going, we need to go further. So I hope you're excited about that. Um, are you excited about offerings? Hmm. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> I, I get really excited about offerings. I love it. <laughs> what can we do together? 
Just imagine, what can we do together with the finance that God has entrusted to us? And how much will he entrust to us? Well, he will entrust more to us if we're faithful with what he's already given to us. Monty Martin. That's it. It's good. It's good. It's, good. it's the thing. Martin could come up here and preach with me. But it's, it, it, see, there is none of us who are not entrusted with money. You might not think you've got enough. Well, it's a matter of faith. And sometimes sacrifice. I've got a great dream, personally, about changing the National Health Service for the better. I've served the National Health Service for 34 years, almost since I was first qualified as a doctor. And we're creating a thing called Heaven in Healthcare. Now, I'm talking to God because I know what I want to create. I've got no idea how we're going to create it. I talked to some people last night. Just, it's a big dream that God has given me. It's shared by a good number of people here and actually from folks around the nation as I'm talking more broadly. And, um, and I just think, yes, because I believe we can bring all the resources of heaven to bear for the sake of our nation on our health service to bring loving kindness, goodness, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, miracles, healings, signs and wonders... Be fun, wouldn't it? You're in for that, aren't you, Sasha? Sasha, did you start your new job this week? Uh, yeah. Yep, Sasha started a new job in the management level of, of, of NHS this week. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, good. Big side by that. And just because we're determined to actually start, start to see things happening. Now, um, one, of, one of the things I know is that, that the greatest commodity I have is time. The challenge, the challenge I've, I've, in life is not, is, is, is not uh, getting more money. It's making sure you use your money well to make sure your time is best used because you can't get any more time. Always get more money. Never got more time, okay? It's a lot of it too. So the best, best thing to use is your time. Um, so I had to come to a conclusion that actually to, in order to do heaven in healthcare, I had to find something that I couldn't do. You know, that's, do you know your big dreams, your big yeses require some big no's? Um, so Kim and I uh, talked at length and it was something that was a long, long process for me but I wanted to let you know that uh, on the 1st of December I actually relinquished my licence to practice medicine <coughs> because I need to concentrate on the bigger thing <clears throat> because it's it's and it, it was huge. It wasn't an easy decision. And I, I sort of worked it out. I sort of maneuvered myself into a corner, so I had to make the decision uh, on the 1st of December because I basically didn't renew my um, insurance, professional insurance. So 1st of December, this has got to happen. So on the 30th of November, my finger was hovering over the button on my computer as I was on the website for the General Medical Council. I've got to do this because this is something I absolutely love doing. I love being a doctor. And one of the sadnesses is also, I know that some of you are going to come and ask me if I can help you. In actual fact, I can't anymore. I can't put on my medical hat for you. And uh, it happened to me actually just at a conference uh, in Leicester this, 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 uh, earlier this month. Um, and they said, oh, we've got an emergency. Pete, can you help us? And I had to go, actually, I can't. Now, I can't explain all that to you, what the wise words, but it's actually, I, I, I can't do it. 
Um, so I'm going to ask you not to ask me to put my hat on, all right, because that helped me. <laughs> but in the end, I pushed the button. I thought, it's done. Um, and what was interesting, again, a number of people since that time have told us, oh, it's a shame because you've got so much influence actually in that world because of what you do. And I can't go into the details, but something's happened um, that's linked to my retirement um, that has just come about that actually has now actually had an impact upon the NHS on a national scale. Literally this week. Is that Really? It just, God has done something, which is quite extraordinary. I'm thinking, ah, how did that happen? Um, because God sees you. In a, and when you sacrifice something, his fire falls upon it. Yeah? His fire always falls on sacrifice. If you want the fire of God, fire of heaven to be released in greater measure in your personal life, in this life, then you can't outgive God. You really can't. So, um, so I'm excited. I'm determined. I'm going to give my life to continuing to build this amazing church that we've got called Eastgate, Heaven in Healthcare, looking at Living Fire and all that that's going on with other churches around us. And then this Garden City, those are my four key delivery points. I've had to work that out. And you know what? You have to think, what's God called you to do? These are big deals. And God is calling us as a church into huge stuff. He really is. Yeah, the opportunities we have are ridiculous, 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 literally. Um, I think they, they become normal for us, but actually, you know, I understand it's actually the, 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 the level. But what I know is this, and I think I said it last time, is, is that if we're faithful with the little, he gives us more. Now, that's not just an up and down. It's actually faithful with this level. He gives you more. Then that becomes, not, not becomes a little thing, becomes something you can do so you can achieve. So he always wants to give you more. The increase of his government, there is, there is no end. Um, and so I was thinking about this and said, well, who gets to build this thing we call Eastgate? Okay, so if you want, you can stick your hand in it. If you want to be involved with it, then it's just stick, I'm not, no, not, not coercion. <laughs> we get to build something amazing. And we do it together because that's what it's, it says. When Jesus said he, he, he chose us in advance, it's an us. And, so, and often, so often as we read the Bible, we, we process that individually like a me. He says he's actually given us works to do. He predestined us. He's planned works for us. And I'm so excited to be part of this us. But more people will become part of this us. There are more trains that should be arriving with people escaping. And we need to be ready for them. Will we adopt them into this family? Yeah? That, that means we have to keep on growing and expanding. Um, you know, if you want to be part of a small church, this is not the one. It, it just isn't. Yeah, I, 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 but why would you want to be part of a small church that never grows? Because it's just saying no thank you to the rest of the world. And to the mission of God. That God, God see, Jesus has a dream and he gets us caught up in it. Now, if you don't get caught up in his dream, he'll still bless you, but you'll miss the great purpose that he created us for. You know, what will it be like to see thousands of people saved and added to this church? That'd be good, wouldn't it? I think it's good. Is it a good idea? Is it great? Yeah, it's a great idea, isn't it? Would you like to see thousands of people saved and added to the church? You would, wouldn't you? 
Okay, where are we going to put them? Do you see, that's the question. Well, I don't know. I'm going to get kind of cozy in here. <laughs> those, those, those are genuine challenges. You see what I mean? If, if you're, if, this, this is reality. Can we bring the next slide up, please, Patrick? This is, this is a, a quote that I saw a few years ago, and I reposted it on my Facebook page. It says this. I'll read it out. Vision gives pain a purpose. People without vision wander aimlessly down the path with the least pain. On the contrary, people with vision are able to endure the pain because they can see the reward lying ahead and they know it will be worth their sacrifice. See, when Jesus didn't say, I called you to have a comfortable life. Because I've been meditating on this recently. You know, Jesus said, I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit with you. He said, he's the comforter. I thought, you're not going to need the comforter, are you, if you don't need comfort? I don't think Jesus would have called him the comforter unless there was need for comfort. Now, that means that, and he is really good at it, but actually life isn't designed to be comfortable in the kingdom. And we have to break out of any idea that, that Christianity is just a nice, comfortable existence. He gives us all things uh, for our enjoyment, out of his goodness, but actually it's to push on. And, and, and you know, Christianity is not like a battle, it is a battle. Yeah, and our job is to take, it, it, and the battle is we're advancing, not just defending. Does that make sense? That's, so we are taking back ground. <clears throat> I hate to see, I honestly hate to see people's lives ruled by fear. It really grieves me because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and sound mind, which we have to give away. I love seeing people get the peace of God that passes all understanding. All of a sudden, wow! You know, I remember a lady when. Um, it's in the healing rooms oh, a while back. Um, she came here and it was, she, she, uh, she'd been prayed for by a couple of ladies um, on the team. And towards the end of the morning, she was, she was sitting there and she was uh, laughing and laughing and laughing. I thought, well, she's obviously having a good time. This like, dear lady, she's obviously laughing, laughing, laughing. And... Um, so I went over to see what was going on and just bless what God was doing. I said, oh, hi, what's happened? And this lady said, look, I've just realized all my sin is gone. <laughs> I said, I've just realized I've been a Christian for years and never realized Jesus took all my sin away. It's amazing. Ha, ha, she, ha. No, I thought she'd come for healing, you see. Well, she did. That's what she set out for. But she actually discovered something about Jesus that was even... So, so, so I thought, well, I just bless you. So I have heard this story before, but I blessed her. I put my hand on her, on her back just to bless her. And with that, she started to do these, this, this amazing, what I call the crunches, backwards and forwards, at a pace, at a speed that is, it was literally something to behold. It was, you think, <laughs> uh, 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 it really was amazing. And, and so, anyway, we were clearing up. She went downstairs to the cafe, and I went just there. Uh, was a pop downstairs. I, I saw her there and I just said, oh, hi, how are you doing? She said, it's amazing. She said, you know when you started to push me over? <laughs> I said, well, look, sorry, I, I, all I did was touch you. I didn't push you because I couldn't keep my hand going that fast anyway. It, it was, there was no way. I said, no, I just, all I did was touch you and I stood back. She said, oh. Oh, well, I just felt this thing pushing me backwards and forwards. And what you need to know is that I've had a bad back and I haven't been able to bend my back. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pray for her to get healed. She came for healing. She found Jesus. 
in all his wonderful as a saviour. I, I blessed her, what she was finding as Jesus the saviour, then Jesus the healer turned up. Because <laughs> he's not limited, you see. He's got it all. He's got it all. <laughs> it's beautiful. Just love to be involved in all he's doing. So I just want to read. Oh, yeah, I've got a few minutes, just a few minutes. I wanted to land on <clears throat> Luke chapter 19, verse 17 says this. It's a parable. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. Well, I thought one was the challenge. See, God wants to give us spiritual governance over cities. Now, when we use heaven's authority and spiritual governance, it's for the benefit of all the people. It's not over them. This is really important. He's not given us authority over people. He only gives us a benefit. Blesses us so we've got so much resource that we can pour into the lives of people around us. So that we can make cities great places. And villages. And towns. You know. But in order to get that, we have to be trustworthy in the small matters. So I want to challenge you once again and do it. <clears throat> Are you being faithful in what you do with your finance? Do you give regularly? It's what Paul said that teaches in every church I go to. It's an it's a, it's a, it's a absolute spiritual principle. And it's, I'm not trying to escape it. I never have. I've just boldly preached it. For many, many years, I just simply believe, and I know it's true in my own life, that God blesses me beyond measure. And if I'm faithful with the small thing of finance, he will continue to bless me beyond measure. But as a group of people, as a body of people, we need to be really faithful. And I'm going to encourage you, make sure you give regularly. And I'm going to ask you, and I said it a few weeks ago, I want you to go and review whether you're giving Regularly, and also it says in proportion with your income. I believe the Bible says 10%. Some of you might say, oh, I'm not quite sure I can get there. Can you take a step towards it? I'm, I'm happy if you go in increments and trust God. Seriously, I thought I've prayed this through because I know some people say, oh, I can't sure that. You know, can you trust God for 2%, even if it's not 10? Then aim for 10 as you're regular. Kim and I always tithe her more. We tithe 10 and then we give more because you can't, tithing is 10%. Um, and you know the, the adventure doesn't start with the 10% it starts with the 90 if you think you've done your duty when you're given the 10 then that's, that's wrong that's dutiful giving I give out of delight uh, happily the 10% is just first thing out of my bank account <clears throat> because I believe I want to honour God with the first fruits of my life and then the, the adventure starts with a 90% of what he's given. Now, I, Kim and I would actually, and with our hands up, we have been blessed absolutely beyond our wildest dreams and imaginations in this last year. So I'm, I'm believing that, but I don't do it to get. Do you understand? I, I don't give to get, I give because I love. Uh, so I'd like you to, I'm going to finish this, I'd like you to stand with me and I'd like, like us to commit ourselves to the purposes of God in our generation, knowing we're part of a dream that God started before the foundation of the world. One of the ways we're going to do this is we're going to trust God to provide for us and we're going to be faithful with what he's given to us.
And uh, standing orders are really helpful. Um, but whatever way, give regularly. Uh, we can help you with that. If you need details, then Bob will talk to you, people on the welcome desk, stuff like that. But, uh, so, Father, we thank you that we're caught up in your amazing dream. And Father, we draw inspiration from a man called Nicholas Winton, who in his ordinary life made enormous sacrifices so that people could have life. Jesus, thank you that you did it. You laid down your life so that we could have abundant life. And now we dedicate our lives to you. And we say this, all that we have is yours, King Jesus. Amen.